All right, guys, what's up? I'm back again with my good friend Greg Walsh of Wolf Brigade. And, you know, we've been going back and forth on so many things. Um, it's, it's a shame that we don't record every phone conversation because I always feel like I take something away from it. And that's why there's such a frequency that he's on this show. But really and truly, I've also kind of stepped away from doing some episodes for a couple of weeks because I've had some things kind of going through my mind about a direction that I want this to go. I don't want it to just be aimless conversation in this episode or moving forward. I think uh, there's some serious things going on in the world I don't want to be heavy about it, but I just need to say that I think whatever voice I have and whatever ability I have to help people and people like Greg have to help people, um, we need to do that. And I think this podcast is an awesome vehicle for that. We're going to do a little bit more, a uh, little more stuff with this moving forward, but I think you'll enjoy it. I feel inspired about it. And usually when that happens, I'm all in and all go. So with that, Greg, thanks for being here today, man. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate it every time. I enjoy it every time. And, and man, I, I agree completely. I, our audience is our strongest and most valuable asset. That's it. Well, and I think it's, it's something to speak on directly, you know, the audience, but the thing about our audience is for the most part, these are people that I would consider, you know, you know, through a medium of the internet friends. Um, a lot of people that just keep showing up, keep sending messages, keep sharing posts, keep liking posts. And for two guys like ourselves, I mean, this is something we talk about off air quite a bit is just the uphill slug fest that is trying to get a message out there that doesn't reek of, you know, ego or buy this or buy that, or, you know, look at this political argument or whatever. I mean, there's just so much noise and distraction going on. And, and that's why I think you've become such an ally beyond a friend to me is that, you know, there's days where I'm coming off my rocker a little bit and, and you're a very grounding voice, but you also kind of echo the same sentiment. So, you know, between you and I, between Casey and I, Brandon and I, and, and really anybody, we're all just trying to do the best we can. We're all trying to share positive stuff and real stuff without dodging and ducking it. But man, it's it's been a crazy few months, but to speak to that audience effect or that, you know, that parallel group effect, you were at Summer Strong and then flip-flopped right back to Convergence. So, I mean, let's just talk in order there, um, and, and I'll lead with the Summer Strong. I was very, very unsure of what it was going to be, and I don't mean that, that in a negative context. It's just coming out of COVID, this was some people's first time on an airplane. This was sometimes, you know, people's first trip doing anything since COVID really happened, and I heard that over and over and over at Summer Strong, but I think – from what I've seen over the years, this is one of our best ones. But you were a, you were a first time visitor, so what did you what did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like everyone had gotten just a little bit unbottled, you know. And yeah. um, I, I think it made some excellent conversations. And and for for me personally, I mean, <laughs> I hadn't traveled a lot um, uh, since then. I'd been I'd been buckled down up here because we insisted on um, doing exactly what we needed to do. And it took twice as much work because there was twice as much pressure on us. And the only other time I had left prior to that was a gigantic disaster. So, so that was essentially my, my first trip. Um, also, and, and it was also just a real pleasure is once I started getting down South, it just felt a little bit more normal. Um, the South is always going to feel a little more interesting, but it, it just felt like more like a normal place. There, there was there was just less meanness and opportunism and, and stuff related to what had happened the previous year. Yeah. And that was great. It's, it set a great stage. And, and as far as the event itself, I mean, I, I've, I've said it to enough people where uh, I, I know that an impression has been made. I, I was so impressed at so many unusually 
uh, unexpected levels. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, I, I knew the facility was going to be great. I knew I was going to see equipment and, and athletes that I was impressed with. And I knew I was going to meet nice people, but I mean, tip, tip to tail. I was, I was impressed. I've, I've, I've been in weird, quirky business most of my life. I've been around manufacturing of stuff for most of my life. Um, I've been around that sort of commerce a lot. And and even just to watch, even just to watch how the employees there in the factory, uh, in the manufacturing worked, in in the in the t-shirt printing place worked, interacted. It, it was it was it was really really cool. It, it actually kind of slapped me across the face. It was it was a splash of cold water that I needed. Yeah, man, I I think, and you know, we talked about before you came down and some of the stuff with, you know, the coaches and the the way that people are perceived and the way that people are received are usually two different things. And that was one of my biggest hopes for you is that people could just really dive into who you are and what you're about and the reason that you think the way that you do and the reason that you coach the way that you do. And I find it so interesting and and you've really been kind of a a punch in the gut in the best way to remove the ceiling of what i perceived strength and conditioning to be you know we have the you know the prilpin chart and all these other formulas and all the stuff from louis and all the stuff that i've learned over the years through powerlifting and it's just it's all it's not the same and it's it, it is moving forward but to have somebody that approaches it like you do from a martial arts standpoint who understands that, you know, you're really insulating the core outward so that you can be the most effective tool in a stressful, uh, you know, altercation type situation. And, you know, I know that you're not trying to sit here and preach to people like, hey, go out here and fight the world. But if the world tries to fight you, you're strong enough to fight back. And I, I just love that message. It's something that I think I don't think I've ever told you in this way, but. I, I think your training gave me an exodus from the things that I didn't love about training anymore. But then also I felt like, you know, maybe to dramatize it a little bit, but I've been fighting for my own life and if, since my injury, because I've gone through these evolutions and these iterations of self, you know, just trying to find the things that work, trying to find the pieces that fit. So I could really build myself back up from this guy that used to be a power lifter and used to kind of curb all the other responsibility because of that fact, you know, trying to be just trying to be a better human being, trying to be a kinder human being, but also a stronger, better, more active human being. And I tried a lot of things. Terrence's was kind of a gateway drug into your training because the kettlebell was the first exodus from that. But I, I never actually felt explosively athletic. I just felt strong and lean and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and Terrence helped me in so many, many ways, but most importantly, you know, tragic as it is that he is no longer with us, it did set the foundation for me to look at your training in a different way. And I have just absolutely loved every minute of it. And I was wanting coaches to dig into you and to pour into you and Bert to talk to you and to get a grasp of what you're about, to see the mace action and work. And and dude, every person that I talked to that gave you an opportunity to speak was blown away. And I, and I say that knowing that these people have talked to the best of the best in that industry. So I, I think you made a splash. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, all of that is like, it, it's just insane and, and really, really nice to hear. And, and, but also I know, you know, this about me and most of the people that are listening that have heard me talk about anything before know, knows that um, I place gigantic amounts of pressure on myself. And, and I, I feel at this point, 
because I, I, I do feel that we've cracked a slightly different egg that my responsibility to keep that thing moving is, is, is high. Um, but then also never, um, at the risk of opportunism or, or anything like that. No, no, no novelty. And, and so I think something that's always important to frame, um, even though I've done so before also is, is that, is that the, the kettlebell is a means to an end, the mace is a means to an end, the barbell is a means to an end. And, and I really think that the devilish way that we've been able to develop people and that we're nowhere near even our potential yet is how we combine them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so j- just to run back to what you were saying, I've, I've, I've read and studied and applied many of those more conventional, slightly older protocols. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a martial artist that eschewed strength training. I, I'm a physical culturalist that has approached every single aspect of strength that I could find in the last 20 years and experimented with it either on myself or others or both. And, and so when, when we've distilled something down, you know, I mean, it, it's, 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 you take something from George Hackenschmidt and, and you think about, okay, well, if this dude said this, this long ago, and he was this strong in this way, does it need changing or does maybe the language just need changing? And so, right. so you're never, you're never throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but, but then at the same time, coming into it from, from a martial arts background, coming into it from a very, very independent minded background, action sports and things like that. Um, I didn't have any of these manufactured, uh, boundaries or ceilings that strength and conditioning had. I, I didn't care what a Russian said 30 fucking years ago about kettlebell lifting. If it's not the best way, then it's not the best way. That's it. Yep. Um, the, the, the facts prove the process. My feelings don't prove the process. And, and so when, when we've really tooled it all up, there are still advancements that we're making now. I mean, I have, I have, I have just this amazing access to someone up here. Uh, Dr. Lucky, you saw, um, yep. That is, in my opinion, the the most educated and informed physical medicine mind I have ever been around, maybe I think in the world. And so even some of his protocols are helping me now optimize position for people and figure out where their deficiencies are and then and then plug something in with one of those three tools uh, to improve them. So it's it it's. <laughs> It's like everything we do is a gateway drug to doing something else better. Mm-hmm. And and when when we've talked before, I've never phrased it that way, but I believe for both of us because we we even as your really tremendous post yesterday said, the demands that we place on ourselves are so high um that, that we're just not willing to let any stone go unturned, but I think both of us in the last 5 10 more years have found ourselves in spots where we didn't know what that looked like and we had to make it. Yeah. Well, like I said in that post too, or kind of in reply to your comment, is that one of the problems that I experienced, and I think a lot of people find it, you know, in their own ways. But for me, you know, I was winning competitions. I was successful in competitions and I would be picking apart how poorly I had done. You know, that's like I've told you before, I did the, uh, I did the capo event and I had the biggest total of the day, but I was two and a half kilos off of what I believe my true maximum potential to express that day was. And I was furious. I mean, here I am in Australia for 14 days, amazing people, amazing time. (laughs) And I dissected it down to that two and a half kilos and, and basically tortured myself right into the next competition, did the same thing again, 
in Australia, competed again a few months later. And then because of those two things and, and really just being tied to that more is more kind of mentality, that's why I ended up getting hurt. I wasn't doing the things to allow myself to, you know, not necessarily celebrate and take off, but I needed time, you know, in between these massive, massive lifts, your body yep. needs a re- recouping phase. And I just wasn't willing to do that. And one of the things that I love most about your training is that every single day, I mean, I post a video, like it looks like a sweat fest in there. And I mean, it's hot. That's, that's no, that's no exaggeration that it's hot, but it's like, I am generating as much of myself into that workout as I possibly can. I feel completely depleted, destroyed, like could not do more. And then an hour and a half, two hours later, it's like this reverse invigoration where it's like, one, I accomplished it. I I did it. And the second thing is, is whatever happens in that two hour period, like, I don't know if it's the shower or the, you know, the meal after training or what, but it just seems like, man, I overcame that mountain and I, I stand here conquering it, you know, and it's a silly way to put it, but it really does invigorate me every single time that, that two hour window after training, where it's just like a moment of clarity, you know, I know you'd speak on that too, but is that something you strive for when you're kind of drawing these out? Because you have the sneakiest, trickiest ways to make people suffer. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I, the guilty as charged with that. And, and, and there, there, there is a level of obsessiveness to it, but there, there's Two, two things there. And then before we leave the, the topic completely, I want to come back and talk about uh, a few of the people I spoke with at SummerStrong. Um, uh, what, what what you just said. Yeah. So so the, the point the point of a training day is to make it hard enough with the components in play that you wouldn't want any more of that medicine. Mm-hmm. But then the trick is to make the next day similar with different medicine. And so you're, you're not creating these attrition drills that are smashing people into the ground for days. Um, you're doing, you know, like I mentioned to you the other day, it's an assassination, not a street fight. And the, the purpose of that is to allow people to get three, four, sometimes five, if needed, good, hard training days, um, that are, that are very sensibly organized from tip to tail. And by the end of the week, you can still recover and do it again the next week. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's that plus, I guess what I'll mention next are two things that, that something like CrossFit reverse taught me, uh, doing early on, um, is that, is that you would, we would watch even the finest athletes we had, um, in Long Beach, um, perform, uh, you know, a training day and then realistically be nearly incapacitated for days, uh, ineffective if they were trans transitioning to training martial arts, um, at risk in the, in their next training days. And it had nothing to do with recovery or anything else. The, the, the thing that many people miss and it's easy to miss is, is the better you are, the better prepared you are, the stronger you are, the more capability you have to destroy yourself. Yes. When, when, when you're a beginner, very seldom are you going to come in and really, really destroy yourself unless you're handled irresponsibly and you get injured or something like that. Um, but you, you don't, you haven't earned that capacity yet to really put yourself in the ground. So it, it's almost like a lot of that, you know, in my opinion, very questionable training was reverse, was reverse engineered the wrong way. Um, it, it was, it was not minimum effective dose. It was maximum effective foolish dose. Yes. And so the, the other 
the other reverse lesson that that taught me in a phrase that I've been using even since even since back in Long Beach is, is that the weight is the weight is not the point. Um, and, and that's not to diminish the importance of working to your full ability or, or it's definitely not to diminish the importance of the fact that lifting heavier better is a direct path to getting stronger. It's just the, it's just the point that if the position is not acute, if the position is not uh, sustainable for that day or the weight protocol is not sustainable for that day, you're working up to your ability. Um, There's no arbitrary distinction because what we want is for you to be better forever, not for you to win some like really arbitrary training day. Yeah. And and so that, that, so that sustained, that sustained progress. And then also in my opinion, my experience also is, is that moment of clarity that you're feeling is, is, you know, it, 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 it's impossible to engineer a feeling, but like it, that's what it's meant to do. Um, and, and that really took a lot that took a long time for me to balance out the implements and the schemes and how they relate to each other. Um, and then I think I think the biggest things are the warm up and, and the time under tensions as far as just getting the last squeeze out and making sure that we've done everything we can do for someone in that training day. Well, that's what I love about your training is, you know, the warm up. I've, I've noticed a couple transitions here and there throughout the time that you've been sending programming. But the thing about it is it's never not effective and it's never something where I'm like, that was a waste of my time. Now, when you're looking at it, you know, like I do in, in the sequence of, of, you know, movements and the, the way that you structure it, it's like, this can't be that bad. And then it is. And then you go, in, but it's the perfect preparation for, you know, and, and the way that I write everything out on the board um, and, and I like it visually as much as I like it just for, you know, the ability to quick reference the board. But I do the, the daily warm up in black. I do my training usually in blue. I do the segment, you know, immediately following the strength protocol kind of in a red or an orange. And then I'll do the secondary stuff, like when it's usually like a timed round or something. And then the time under tension is in purple. So it's like quick reference, but also you've got five or six blocks that you've got to accomplish. And each one has a little bit different focus. Each one has a little bit different intent. And then I just segment my way and work work through each box. Like no matter how bad this is, just get through the box and go to the next one. And I actually love, love the time under tension stuff because – I think, and and we'll get more into it when we, we talk about some of my training after convergence. But that's just one of those things. It, it's it's as much physical as it is mental. You know those those timed holds and some of that stuff, man. It's like you're only going to quit if you quit. You know, it's it's <laughs> right. it's not it's not like this thing is going to beat you down. It's going to be difficult. But holy shit, in a fight. Well, you know, What's what's the answer if if it's difficult? Like you can't just quit because you want it to stop. Like the guy's gonna pound your face in. So that's what I love about it. Or or even just to simplify, I mean, if you're under if you're under a really really heavy load, um, if you're if you're beginning to fatigue, but you still have work that has to be accomplished. I mean, the 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 time under tension is 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 built to be both a confidence booster and a skill builder. Um, the, the warm-up is built to be more of a skill builder because you're always working through similar patterns. Um, and, and so, you know, it sneaks by people, but by the end of a training week, they've accomplished another maybe 250 reps in a perfect hinge outside of the actual framework of the, of the proper training. Um, yeah. 
you know, you've, you've accomplished another 50, 60, 75 organized pushes, another 50 or 60 pulls. Um, and, and that's outside of the, of the primary training, but broken into small pieces and scaled accordingly. That that's, I believe that that's at least a, a pretty decent portion of, of why our people move so well all the time, not just when they're fresh. Um, and, and the, the time under tension for, for me, one of the coolest things to watch is when people are shot and then they prove to themselves that they can still hold, uh, you know, a moderate weight farmer hold, or they can still hold an excellent hollow position, or they can still perform, you know, light to moderate, um, you know, essentially cool down versions of a mace swing or a mace lift. Um, th- that just, that just insulates their, their knowledge that they can perform it when they're fresh with absolute violence and precision. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it, it I think that that's just as important. Of course, we all, we all know that training is, is gigantically mental and, and only partially physical. And, I think that the conventional methods of addressing the, the, the mental and psychological sides of training often come up really short. Well, I think one of the things too, that it does is it generates a hype environment, you know, like we're going to yell and scream at you and slap you on the back and we're going to kind of like get your adrenaline or your, you know, you primed for this one lift, but like, what if there was another one that was demanded, not necessarily written out, but like that's yeah. one of the things that I find so interesting that, that grappling has really opened up for me is that there is no structure to what the guy is going to give you across from me. There's no pre-plan that I'm aware of. If this guy's coming at me and I can't stop him, he's going to keep coming at me, you know? And that's one of the things that I love about your training is like, I just keep, I just keep going. Like I, if I have to slow down a little bit, I slow down a little bit. If I have to hold a little longer before I do another rep. That's what I do. But I find myself in those positions in training as far as grappling goes too. Like sometimes there's nothing left and you have to keep going because you're in a, you know, you're in a wizard or you're fighting for a dog fight position. If you give up, that guy's going to smash you. And that's what I keep finding with your training is just, okay, there is more in the tank than I thought. There is more down deep in there. If I just hold a little longer and man, it's so fucking awesome and then man and, <laughs> and the, tr- the 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 corresponding language to grappling just makes me so happy but but what, one one of the concepts with that is we we can always compartmentalize um but we can never cheat so so that's why the pieces are the length that they are some days you'll end up with two or three total pieces some day you'll end up with maybe four uh, uh, different length pieces, things like that. It's not, it's not random. Um, and, and the goal partially is based on the demand of the piece. It's compartmentalized into a segment that you can take 60 or 90 seconds afterwards before something else. And then that way, you know, and on the table, because we're very, very adept at scaling and we're very, we're very sharp with our language of, of scaling to ability and up to, and things like that. Uh, the rep schemes are never a suggestion, you know, people, 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 we've we found this a little bit remotely and in, in stuff, but we've we've sharpened people up with it. Um, one of one of the other unsung, I think, values that maybe kind of heroes of, of what we do is is the ability to scale anything to any person. Th- this thing was this thing was built bottom up. I wanted to help people that had the least opportunities, that had physical limitations or injury or anything like that, and, and that's enabled us to help top down. Uh, handling and improving the higher level athletes is a piece of cake. If you yeah. can 
you can build and 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 continue to to improve people with challenges. Um, and and I can tell you for an absolute certainty that if the people that I see on a daily basis complete this training without shortcutting because their left pinky nail is sore, then no one get, no one gets to cut the scheme. Um, we, we can we can strategize, we can tailor back, uh, we can make intelligent adaptations, but but you, you know cheating, laying on your back, all this other stuff is just off the table. And so 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 that kind of a mindset goes directly to what you said with with grappling or striking or combat sports or or or, or really any type of competitive environment where there's not a simple door that you can walk out. Yeah, man, it's. It's just, and I, and I know that I harp on it and I brag on it and I tell people, but honest to God, man, like it, it, it has really shifted my psychology about the way I look at myself. I mean, I was a pretty broken guy, you know, whenever I started your training, even, even through the, the transitions of training with Terrence and that kind of stuff, I was squatting, I was pressing, I was doing that stuff, but I told you that I was really scaling back because I was injured. You know, I had a lot of shoulder stuff going on. My knee yeah. was a fucking problem. My hip was a problem because my knee was a problem. I've got a slight case of scoliosis, not slight as in it's intermittent. It's like, it's always there, but it's just a mild case. I had a lot of problems. And that's the one thing that your training does through the rigidity of, of the bracing and the, you know, fat and tall, not arched and, and skinny or whatever. You know, it's like all these little things started to undo all the bad all the bad habits and started to bring me back to center which center is going to allow you to go forward again you know it's exactly like the plus one thing can i do this rep one percent better than the last time i I did a rep or the last set i did you know on and on and on forward forever like you said and dude i got guys asking questions that i grapple with i've got people online asking questions and it's it's really starting to connect because well I wanted you to talk about a couple of your conversations at, at SummerStrong, but definitely after Convergence, I came back a different animal, for sure. So, and I'll and I'll tell you, like some, uh, I, this, each Convergence has impressed me in in different ways, significant ways, um, ways that helped helped us helped me improve each one, and, and will help us improve it forever. This year was particularly fascinating because we got to make some really, really sharp adjustments on people that paid dividends right in front of our eyes. And and we've we've always been able to get people to make nuanced progress. Um, but this year was really, really profound in, in that way. Um, I saw it. I saw it. I mean, people that were struggling with one thing, hey, turn the elbow this way or straighten the wrist this way or brace a little taller or push your belly out a little more instantly fix the problem. I mean, how many times did that happen with me? Just, just myself. I well, mean, little well, things, man. When, when, when we got to tinker on some lifts and then also some getting your ass off the ground stuff. And, and, and we realized that, that it was just, it was some level of, of just quirky positioning or timing or a little bit of bracing. And then all of a sudden it just worked. I mean, that that's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain how significant that is for me every day to feel that I can help with that with people. But with someone, when I know the depth of the well that you've been in and then, and then also how close we've gotten like that, that's, that's significant shit to me, man. And, and, you know, something else this year, um, 
that was particularly cool is is this is the first this was the first convergence since um, the remote development uh, really hit since this since the subversive fitness site was up um, l- last year it had been up but it had been only up for like maybe 30 or 45 days so so there was only a handful of people in there and we really didn't have time to assess how the remote version of our project was going yep and so I mean this year we had. Geez, we had we had Ron and Kevin from California. We had um, we had Haley from Minnesota, um, John John and his crew from Florida, um, Jacob Jacob from Salt Lake City. I mean, th- those are people that had been participating in in this subversive fitness site, and they came in with some knives sharp, man. And well, DJ and, DJ's what? a guy that I've known for 10, 10 years now. So, he, so I was gonna I was gonna highlight him in particular because he posts he posts the most. So so it's 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 so fascinating to see that dude nine or ten months ago versus like when when I saw him three weeks ago. I mean, it's 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 so sharp. And then we were but but yet with all the work they did and the gigantic improvements that they had made, we were still able to tune things in person that made what they were doing. Um, 10, 15% better right then. And what that means is next year, it's going to be another 30% better. And for sure, and it's, it's like, that's just, man. I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure. That's, that, that's just, that's significant to me. Well, and the, and the thing, you know, so to kind of segue into convergence from my perspective as and you know, as somebody coming immediately off summer strong, fast forwarding and then coming there, um, you know, it, it's two ends of the same spectrum sort of, but not really opposite ends uh it's just it's, it's just like greatness at two different points you know yours is just like this really intensive focused let's get to it and again i, I sound like i'm just getting paid to talk about how great you are but your command of the knowledge and the way that you lead second to none um your command like i said you have your boards up there and and you just reiterate what's written there it's not in stone but it might as well be um but the thing is is you refuse to put it in stone because it, it's evolving that's and right that's right the thing that's so cool the, the thing that's so cool about it is the heather the matt and all of your people all of your people there are maybe not as qualified as you to walk around a room and coach but every single person that you lead daily can offer something to somebody coming in from the outside i had I had women instructing me, 120 pound women instructing me. I had you instructing me. I had Matt instructing me. I, I, you know, it's just that that part was the best part. It was like this this symbiotic, egalitarian kind of thing, but you were just the overseer of all of it, and it was all moving forward. The food, you know, <laughs> Snyder, Snyder and Casey like knocked it out of the park. Buffalo, the Buffalo Tenderloin was crazy, but I thought I think food is one of those things that's so visceral, along with like physical exertion. There's just something that you can never experience as a human until you experience it as a human. Man, and I, when you get <laughs> when you get to do those things together, it, it was just anybody that that's out there that that I could ever encourage to go go. And if you hate it. Send me a message and I'll figure out a way to get your money back. Like I will refund you if your money, if you, I'll refund you double if you don't have the time, the time of your life. It's, it's I, just, it was so good, man. I, I man, so much of that. Yeah, man. Well, for one, thank you. And and two, I've offered the same thing I've, I've said to people before. And, and part of it is 
geez, we want, we want the teachers. We want the, we want the people that are helping people to come. And, and I know that they're always hesitant because everyone's got their kind of framework that they work within. We can help improve how you work within that framework. Um, there, there are certain curves that we're just ahead of. There are certain curves that we're not. Um, but if, if even the highest level trainer in the world comes to that event, they're going to improve how they're able to help people. And really, what are we doing this for? Um, right. And then so the only I was going to make a joke that the the only real comparison um, between between Summer Strong and, and Convergence would be the quality of conversation and the quality of the food. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and. And I think those two things are things or two points that people are really, really, they were, they were like dry sponges for that, you know, and Summer Strong and Convergence were both just like douses of, of water. And it was, it was so good to hear people talking about, dude, I didn't hear a damn negative thing at either place. You know, no. people weren't talking about COVID. They weren't talking about the vaccines. They weren't talking about that shit. It was like training, self-improvement. Oh my God, how do I cook this? Or how do I learn this? Or how do I, sh you know? And the people, the and people, the people that are going to jump into those wells, they're, they're not the, they're not the societal opportunism types, you know, even, even most of them, I mean, I guess there's probably a handful that might be, but, but in, 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 in overall, in, in general curve, they're not the people that are going to use anything that's going on right now as leverage for self-improvement. Like everyone understands right now that it's buckle down and help each other time, you know, it has to be. And th th that's, I guess that's that's an okay way for me to run back to to our to our instructors and our leaders here for a minute. Um, is that is that the the way that we construct people that can operate in those environments um, is not is not easy. You know, um, it, it, I would put any of those instructors in front of any training group in the world. And, and I don't say that lightly. I, I say that as as um, it could be a challenge if someone wants it to be. Um, yeah. But I, I don't believe that they should be instructing in our place until they can instruct anywhere else, everywhere else. And, and part of it is because, as you know, you can't lower the bar. Once you've lowered the bar, it's lower. That's it. Yeah, and, man. and so there, there's 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 a le there's a level of of just daily impressiveness that that they exhibit. Um, they're all still learning. They 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 convene and talk about about their shortcomings and and like even before conversions. You know, we had conversations and, and email exchanges about how to sharpen up language. Um, if we were using, if any, if anyone was using redundant words, if anyone was using gimme terms, you know, like if, if, if something was just coming out of their mouth because it's either what they'd heard me say or it's just an easy thing to say. We, we talk about um, how frequently it's a good idea to, to um, issue praise to the group. How, how much is too much? If every time someone moves they ass, you're saying good job, well then eventually that good job just wears out. Doesn't make, yeah. It doesn't make any impact. You know, so, so there, there, are, there are a lot of nuances that go into how we present um, and, and things that, that, that I believe, man, I, and I'm so glad they transfer, I'm so glad they land, um, but, but they've put in a significant amount of work to, to, to impress someone like you in that way. And, and I just want to highlight that because man, it is not easy, you know? No, it's not. And I mean, 
again, it, it sounds like a paid advertisement for what you got going on, but I've been around, I've been to a lot of gyms. I've worked with a lot of coaches. I can think of, I can think of a, a bunch of coaches, not that they need to radicalize or just abandon ship on their ideas and their training. But I, I know guys that are open-minded that are always, they're always seekers. They just don't know where to look anymore. You know, they've got all the, the certifications and they've got the books and they've got this and that at that point it's i think it's tougher for a coach to kind of look into the corners that are that are so different than what you, what they're doing like it's it's safe to stay with a, a five by five program or a conjugate model or whatever but yep. i think if you really truly want to be the best in your field it comes with counter knowledge as well like it, come there and disprove it come to wolf brigade and disprove it you know and, what and, i mean and and we and we try we <laughs> In, in a sneaky kind of arrogant way. I, I like that you said that a little bit because th- that's the attitude I employ, but with, with myself and with our people is, yeah. is if, if we, if we saw something and, and this is a point I make often also, I was taught well by great people. And the reality is that was at the top of the food chain of how things were then. Right. And I never cast aspersions on that. But at some point, um, if, if the structural limitations are met in a position or a lift or an implement or something like that, you either accept those limitations or you out strategize them and, and, you know, change the stimulus and therefore get a different response. And, and something, something that we're working through right now with that is, is, is in my opinion, pretty fascinating is once our single arm kettlebell lifts, um, started getting to a certain level. Uh, we'd allow a support hand on the back handle, um, and that helped people move more weight safer in, in still a very, very standardized position. It's an excellent strategy, um, and, and it's allowed our people to lift very, very heavy. The next iterations of that now, because people have kind of gone to it, and I believe we're getting close to the structural limitations again. I mean, when you've got a 160-pound, 150-pound kid double kettlebell front squatting to 97-pound weights, adjustments need to get made because it's not going to get much heavier than that. You know, right. Um, when, when you, when you've got 130 pound, um, uh, female kettlebell back squatting 150 pounds on each side for two reps, you're not going to get much heavier than that. You know, um, yeah. tri- triple digit Turkish get ups and people that weigh barely more than that. So, so, so now what we're looking at is, is work that we've done with, with Dr. Lucky, uh, uh, uh assessing, you know, when he does his his muscle testing, um, wh- what's working right, what isn't. There are certain positions he has you put your hands on your head and your torso, and and it's it's various bracing strategies, um, engineered to elicit a positive or negative response from a muscle group. And so I've taken some of those and started applying them to how people are using in a press or in a push press or something like that. And so again, now like things are going to change because people's positioning improved immediately. And so it's, it's, it's just, it's just now at this point, thinking things out in, in different and creative ways. But if in two weeks uh, we decide that that's not the best path, then it gets kicked to the curb because, because, you know, bullshit walks and and proof talks and that's it. And, and if it, if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't yield tangible results, we'll never put something in simply because we want something different to show people. It's just, it's foolish. If, if, if you, if you're trying to sell something 
uh, that's one thing. If you're trying to construct a process um, that creates the best athletes in the world in the most durable professions in the world, well, then you can't you can't have guesswork like that in there. Well, and I think that's that's something that, you know, I wanted to share with you, too, is I love the fact that you're willing to to abandon something that you you've known to work as soon as you find something better. It's not like, let's try to get a little more juice out of this squeeze here over here. It's like, well, this has already proven itself immediately. So let's, let's do more of that. Like you said, the hand positioning, once the weight gets so heavy or, you know, just a support hand to, to make sense of it. Like you can beat somebody into the ground, but like, why, you know, why not just take the, the out that's there that's going to make it a little more efficient, a little better so that they can continue to progress forward. I mean, that's one of the best things about it because I've seen, I've been that coach that certainly just sticks by the guns of what I'm doing because, Hey, it worked for me and you're probably just not giving enough quote unquote, or, you know, I'm so married to the idea because I want it to be right. You know, and I think that's a lot of problems that coaches get into is they don't know the answer if what they know isn't right. And that's where you're willing to say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. I, I mean, I, I think that I think that willingness to tinker uh, comes back to the fact that while the weight is the point, it also isn't the point. Um, and, and if you can get people's minds around the fact that if you take a step or two back um, to improve a position, eventually it's going to lead to five steps forward. Meanwhile, you know, if you stay where you are and you're and you're unwilling to adapt to that, you may already be at your at your at your at your potential. Um, and, and so it's 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 really also kind of instilling an idea that there is there is never not more in some way. And and if people are willing willing to look for it, then then we're going to we're going to hold their hand right through it. Um, and and part of it, too, is. Man, when, when I see something working well, but then I say, OK, well, I see it working on this person well. It's only working on this person 30% as well. That also, in my opinion, is is an important assessment because realistically, and I mentioned this at Convergence too, I mean, if, if we're practicing the primary patterns to the best of our abilities with appropriate scaling and like utilization of the, of the I believe, the, the three most important tools, uh, which are the barbell, the, the kettlebell, and the mace, um, our bodies want to move in those patterns and positions. That's just what they want to do. So, so the idea that we have optimized and absolutely squeezed every little tiny bit we can out of those patterns is in my opinion, just still total nonsense. You know, um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's room to improve there. There, there is uh, building a 360 degree model is, is never going to be totally finished, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't know, I, I enjoy that. Maybe I'm insane, but but it's it's it, it's proving true. Um, we've got people improving in there all the time. I and mean, you saw it and I can't wait to show people next, you know, and it, it's not meant to be mystified. There's nothing there's nothing super sciencey or complicated going on there. I, I, I really feel like I've just done my homework and been willing to kind of. You know, torture myself in certain ways, and and I've had to do a lot of tinkering because I've been injured a lot, and I refuse to stop moving forward uh, on a personal level with my physicality. And I've also just had the really good fortune of of working with both really really high level athletes and and participants and trainees, and also people with every motherfucking disadvantage that you could think of that were even more of a priority to me. Um, and and when you start mixing that. 
I mean, you're not going to not create something impressive. If people want to be impressive, they're impressive. That's it. You know? Well, I do. And I'll tell you exactly how I know that. Um, there's a guy that we train with. And I actually spoke to you about him, but it, you know, his name's Chapman and this guy is 190 ish pounds, probably five, 10 ish. I don't know, but man, he, he's a powerhouse. When you look at him, he is super lean, jacked as hell. And I've been on the receiving end of, of his power a couple of times, you know, we were doing some, we were doing some double legs and man, you know, one of my faults is that I am strong is that, you know, in learning jujitsu is that I am strong. So that's, that's my out. So he goes in, I've had other people come in on the double leg and I'm, I'm heavier so I can just, you know, I can splay out and I can squash them. Not him. Like he yeah. got in on me so fast and it was like, started paying more attention to this guy. Like we had wrestled and I could, you know, I could eventually get this or that, a Kimura here. Cause he made a mistake or a choke because he made a mistake. But when he didn't make mistakes, I was in a lot of trouble. Well, get to talking to him. And when I got back from convergence and he goes, man, I saw you were up at Greg's place. Like, that's really cool. I was training with them or you following their training for a couple uh -huh. of years now. And dude, he, so he was, he posted a video about, uh, coming and do some, some heavy bags, some sandbags. And I said, what are those? Like 80, 120. He said, oh, they're one, they're 100, 150 and 180. And he does high anchored hinges, high anchored good mornings with yeah. like 180. Yeah. So, you know, and he's 190 pounds. No fucking wonder he power bombed my ass with ease. Um, but, yeah. but to just see the proof through guys like that, you know, a guy that, He's an excellent strength coach in his own right. He's got a really curious mind. I want to get you guys talking because he's he's somebody I really appreciate uh, quite a bit. And today we we rolled. Well, actually, we didn't even roll. We just did positional drills that fucking sucked and, and kind of gave each other the limit for an hour, hour and a half. And I left there like so depleted, but so invigorated invigorated one because this guy i know when he leaves is going to be thinking about it and he's going to be training harder next week in the gym yeah just like i am so yeah. to find those people and then that trickles out to like jordan you know jordan covey like that's oh, another yeah. guy that just got a mace that's been following along a little bit i've been trying to throw him some bones and he's he's running with it coach you know scott he's the owner of the gym he got a mace Yep. You know, he's, he's interested in it. And I, there's another guy that I, I roll with too, Drew. He was asking me about the mace yesterday. So it's really, really cool. And it's, what's awesome about it is I'm not walking in there like Wolf Brigade, Wolf Brigade, Wolf Brigade, mace, mace, mace. What they're doing is they're rolling with me and they're feeling like positionally sound movements that weren't positionally sound when I started jujitsu. Um, the ability to post and hold and just impose myself upon them. I'm not saying all the time, but like, yeah, you know, it, it's just a it's a fucking thing that just proves itself. And maybe I would have gotten there doing conventional dumbbell work and barbell work. Sure, I would have been strong. But I can tell you where Chapman gets me is is one of those positions where I am like, again, like in a dogfight position where I'm trying to, like, just statically press him as hard as I can. He's 50 pounds lighter than well, not now. That's another problem I've got. He's 40 pounds lighter than me, <laughs> and, he's, and he's giving me all I want. Dude, yeah. Between your yep. training and jujitsu, I am eating more calories at 229.2 pounds as I was today than I was at 300 pounds, and I'm still losing weight. I mean, I, I, I it, it, so, so that doesn't surprise me, and, and, 
I'll take a moment on that and then I'll run back to grappling for a minute. Um, but but p- part of it is I, I and this there is no science behind this. Someone smarter than me. Most likely this is a question I'm going to figure out a way to pose to Tyler Minton is um, he's awesome, by the way, too. Tr- truly, like I, I it takes a lot in those realms to impress me. And I I literally find something every day that he impresses me with. Um, uh, and he's just caring and sharp. I mean, not to just sit here and talk about it. Someone I've never met before, like a weirdo, but like he, he is, he's, he's someone that I'm like, man, okay. Um, top, top of the food chain, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I truly believe that the, that the organization of the training and, and the, the ability of it to quote unquote drain you without destroying you, um, provides, um, <laughs> an ability to, burn fuel in such an effective way. And I think that that, that is part of, part of, part of our biggest struggle there is the next iterations of how to influence people and inform them on, on the diet, on the diet side of things. Cause that's something that I've, I've traditionally, um, I've, I've given good input on, I've pointed people in the right direction for as long as I've ever trained anybody, but I've never really gone hard on that. I've never been like a, like you have to be X, you know, you have to eat yeah. Y, um, because I just really feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of personal invention that has to happen there. Um, yeah. but, but at this point now, the, the people that are optimizing that aspect of things at our place, are, are such incredible standouts that now it's, it's, I'm starting to see that it's really, really just the, maybe the most important thing that they're not under eating Um, or or that they're not missing or that they're not missing a macro in in a way, in a way that it's actually impacting their, their performance and abilities. Because, because man, when you, when you, especially when you start adding your grappling in there, you gotta be burning 90,000 calories a day. I mean, (laughs) It, it feels like it because scientifically, like um, I said, I mean, I'm eating upwards 5,000 calories a day, like yeah. hard, like yeah. hard. And it's just the weight just keeps coming off. And you could say, well, it's because you're grappling for an hour or whatever. It, no, it's not that. It's like I leave as exhausted. And, and like, you know, my heaviest kettlebell is 88 pounds right now. I have a 14 kilo mace. I have a 10 kilo mace. So it's not like I'm, I'm using the same weights that, that Heather or Lexus would, or, you know, some of your, even your female lifters, but I am ringing those things for all I'm worth in the yep. training. And like I said, there's not a whole lot more I could give when that 45 to 50 minutes is done. There's just not much left. So I go yep. in and replenish that. And I am like, <laughs> I was so I was so committed to the weight loss because you know I just needed to get healthy, right? Well, yep. car- carbohydrates are a really wonderful thing, and if you want to lose weight really fast, you just cut those out and you'll drop a ton of pounds. But I was going through through training and I was going through the grappling and I just didn't have the pop. And after Chapman kicked my ass, I was like, "Fuck this!" So I looked at his Instagram, you know, and was kind of watching and. Lo and behold, he posts his his macro breakdown for a day. And I'm talking about a guy okay. lifts heavy, grapples hard. I mean, probably one of the hardest. Like, he's just a bulldog. And he also has amazing bulldogs. He's a breeder. So he's he fits the bill. Like in all walks, He's and he's a good dude. But he yep. posts this thing, and he's eating 300 uh, carbohydrates a day at 190 pounds. I was like, 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm eating about 50. So yeah. we need to do something here. Immediately added the carbohydrates in, doubled down on that by a lot. I mean, I started putting 350, 400 carbs a day. And, dude, the, the difference in the way that my bones feel, like that body ache that I kind of felt all over, I think was just because I didn't have the fuel to heal everything. It was just healing the things that were getting abused daily, which was my muscles. But it wasn't really going out to the total skeleton. You know, it wasn't just – but anyway, that's neither here nor there, but just experimenting with those things and understanding that timing of those things. It, I'm like you, you just give me a mission and I'll, I'll get done. I'll get it done despite my deficiencies. <laughs> but yeah. imagine if you just eat a little better and actually eat a lot more, yeah. you'll perform better. Who knew? I sure didn't. Truly. It, it, it is such a weird myth. And even when I feel like I'm eating enough carbs, sometimes I know I'm not taking into consideration what my actual day has looked like tip to tail. I'm, yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, okay, it, it wasn't my most productive training output ever, or, or I wasn't pleased with this, or I wasn't pleased with this. Well, look, I may have taught four classes. I may have taught an hour, hour and a half of wrestling. I may have actually trained myself for an hour, hour and a half and done an hour of tactics or drills or whatever the case is. So, I mean, at the end of the day even on a day that wasn't what i what i perceived as exactly the way i wanted i've moved and hustled and shifted and and whatever for three four hours at sometimes and, yeah. and I, you know it's, it's 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 easy to overlook that and and i guess the direct translation of of what we just talked about to anybody else um is don't don't sell what you're doing short we often under underestimate what we need when we underestimate what we do yeah um, and and I, I find that to be I find that to be really true of our people that they get hard on themselves about not being up to their extremely high standards or whatever the case is. But but that means you have to exactly as you said, double down on the other stuff, the non-training stuff. Um, you, you can't you can't fight training battles with simply more training. It just doesn't work that way. Well, um, that's the one th that's the one thing I said, too. If that was the answer, we'd train 24 hours a day. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. If, 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 if conquering these mountains meant that I simply did more, uh, okay, sign me up. I'm there, but it's yeah. just never been the case and never will be the case. Um, and, and I want, I wanted to jump back to grappling for a minute before I forget in that, um, hearing, hearing you, hearing you say all that is, uh, is so much fun because I'm also imagining it. Um, but we, we've, We've heard that from people who are even far less physically talented to begin with. Like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be a handful of grappling for anyone on earth anytime ever. Yeah. We, we've also heard from people who weren't that that they are all of a sudden that. Yep. And, and so that that's the fun thing too is is when 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 you know because the answer the answer to simply getting better at grappling is not you know more mat time, bro. Uh, in the exact same <laughs> way that it's not getting better at shooting by just shoot more, bro. Yeah. Um, so so when someone's putting in their mat time and they're paying attention to their details and they have an actually qualified instructor. Um, the, the, the nuance is what else you're bringing to the table. How's your conditioning? How's your mental focus? You know, what, what's your game plan look like? Um, do, do you have the appropriate fuel in the tank? Um, and, and, and when you start putting all those things together, man, it's like, it's like this, this is, it's starting to really prove itself in the way that it was engineered, which is to improve those in, in these really demanding physical roles. Um, if it can improve, uh, high level combat sports professional, it can improve 
in my opinion, any athlete walking the earth. Well, and, and to kind of segue into another thing we were going to talk about, which is, you know, high level combat athletes in the UFC 264 yeah. tonight, yeah. this will, this yep. will be released on Monday. So we'll know the result, but you know, you've had some, you've had some insertion there with the UFC athletes. I mean, I love seeing when these people are at the apex center and they're training or, or the performance Institute with Bo, Bo's benefiting, his wife's benefiting, the athletes are benefiting. I mean, these, these aren't people that are just walking in off the street as white and blue belts. These are people that are getting paid to fight, and they're looking at this thing going, holy shit. You know, this is like – Man, like and- the, it, it's like – what, what was that stupid thing that you had? The uh, uh, I can't remember, but it was like a game genie or something for the Nintendo. It just like – it unlocked all the doors to anything you ever wanted to be. Well, man, I, 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 I've always, I've always said, and I even more firmly believe after working with Bo for a while now, it, it, it is that um, as soon as we can start getting high-level combat sports athletes and grapplers and Muay Thai to commit to their strength and conditioning with the same detail and violence that they commit to their fight training – it's going to usher in an entirely new era of fighters. And I know that that sounds pretty grandiose and over the top, but that is exactly what I believe. And, and even hearing what Bo had said about, about the influence that, that, um, uh, a lot of my stuff has had on the, the performance Institute in Shanghai and how it impacted the results of their combine over there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's simple in its in its idea and it's transferable in its execution to the point where it, it can make a really, really big impact on something um, that is ready for more impact. You think you think about what you think about what professional fighting looked like even 10 years ago, um, you know, even as recently as five years ago, this the skill level improvement in the fighters themselves is phenomenal. And so what's left when the skills are almost balanced, power, strength, conditioning, durability. Yeah. The separators. That's exactly right. So, so at some point, the the people who really need to excel or the people that are closer to the top or the people that keep losing based on not being worse, but by being weaker, they're going to have to adopt something different or they're just going to continue to bounce on fucking Bosu balls with one foot, you know? Yeah. And, and so when, when I look at it, I know a lot of the sciencey stuff is important. I know a lot of it has a ton of merit and I'm, I'm never being the guy that's like, you know, don't look at the numbers. That That's not the point here at all. It's just the fact that if you're getting paid to get into a fist fight, there has to be grit, violence and deliberateness in your training or it's not going to transfer well enough. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I see, too, man, is I see these guys. I mean, you see it at local level. You see it at the top level. They just they just condition or cardio themselves into a loss. You know, they, they come in. They look phenomenal at the weigh-ins. You know, the announcers are saying, oh, my God, they look better than they ever have. They look like they're in better shape. And, dude, when you go to grab somebody – I mean, you know this. I'm not. I'm not talking to you necessarily, but if somebody's listening to this that, that has never ever been in a physical altercation whatsoever, it's great if you can go ten minutes. Like if you have the capacity to go a ten minute round in jujitsu, if you're not stronger than the guy you're against it, with equal technique, it's going to be a miserable fucking ten minutes, and likely probably two or three minutes. In all honesty, you know, yeah. because it's just it's going to be over before it starts. And that's well, the thing that I'm just trying to get people. I, whether it's in my gym or listen to this or, or just to validate what the fuck you're doing, man, like 
the confidence that I have walking in the gym with with white belt level still need so much improvement in jujitsu, but I'm not afraid to, to, to wrestle or grapple with anyone because there is that equalizer that like, okay, if they're going to get me, it's going to take some effort a lot, you know? Yeah. And, and I yep. welcome that. I mean, well, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's just crazy. I, 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 I think about it like this and I've thought about it like this for a long time. And then, and then I'll mention something I think is really, really important that I've mentioned before, but I think it gets slept on. Um, but, but what I, what I'm initially referring to is tensile strength. So, so you using the implements we use at the ranges we use, um, working sensibly past end range on purpose, um, in, in very controlled schemes and methods, it, it, it makes our people extremely easy to teach martial arts to and extremely effective in applying them because they understand what their bodies are doing. Not saying that, that many, many fighters don't. But the more you understand your body, the better you're going to be able to apply full force in offense or defense in, in a fighting situation. And, and I often attribute this to the fact, I often attribute the fact that I can still grapple at any reasonable level. I, I used to be a very good grappler and that back surgery and then the second one that went wrong, um, really did a lot to undermine my confidence. I, I've always grappled still. I've, I've always taught grappling. I've always helped a lot of law enforcement here with defensive tactics and combatives and things. Um, but but my, my personal grappling is nowhere near what it would be um, if I hadn't had metal pieces put in my back and, and my leg go to sleep. And, and, and I'm not saying that as a complaint. Um, that was a mental hurdle that it took me a long time to get over. But anytime I did need to grapple in the last six or seven or eight years, um, I was still able to do so at, at a reasonably high level. And that's because of that tensile strength. It's because I've always moved maces and I've always moved in deliberate positions. And, and yeah, am I going to last a 15 minute match with a black belt at, at Abu Dhabi? No, of course not. But I'm going to be able to do what I need to do when I need to do it. Um, and, and now I'm being able to enjoy it again and, and it feels great. And, and I, I attribute that to deliberateness and detail, but also ownership over implements that move in more than a straight line because fighting is never a straight line. Absolutely. Um, and, and then the other thing that I want to highlight again is the fact that the way that maces and kettlebells in general, but also very specifically the way that we apply and use them, build strength and power and conditioning without adding mass or without adding considerable amounts of it. Mm -hmm. and, and so they're an unsung hero of people in weight class sports that need to develop strength and power endurance and things like that within a within a physical framework that they can't afford to gain 30, 40, 50 pounds. I mean, yep. you know, as well as anybody, if you load a barbell up as heavy as you possibly can and you're eating accordingly, you are going to get bigger. Yep. K kettlebells and maces, even when lifted heavy and well you're going to get stronger, you're going to look more muscular, but you're not gonna gain a ton of weight. And it's because the weight is a relative weight. It's not hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It may feel like that. And if you're doing it right, it would feel like that, should feel like that, um, but it isn't. So- Well, you know, and the other side of that coin too is, is again, another unsung hero is less weight, lower reps, more intention is usually injury prevention too. A absolutely is absolutely well, is how many injuries have you had on on top level weights in your gym 
almost none. I mean, like li- li- literally almost zero. I mean, when, when we're testing people's two rep maxes or in, in very particular lifts, one rep max, like a Turkish get up, something like that. Um, no, I mean, I mean, the only people that get hurt in our gym are people that don't pay attention. And and that's not to say that we're impervious. Everyone gets hurt. We're not playing badminton in there. Yeah. Um, but but what you're talking about is is avoidable, reckless, positionally inacute injuries. Yep. Um, and the answer is none. It just doesn't happen. Well, and I can see that, too, because, you know, in my in my own lifting, there were things that I was I was preferring to use more weight on because of ego, just like, you know, having the, the Turkish get up with the hammer, you know, six pounds, eight pounds, whatever it was. Yeah. Kind of chalk back. But that's yeah. where I had to go to to even get remotely close to doing the form the right way. And then I can build out from that. What you're going to do if you keep throwing, let's say I kept throwing a 30 pound kettlebell on having my elbow drift, not really tensioning and more just kind of letting the kettlebell rest on me instead of like controlling it. You're not really going to go up with from there. And that's what I talk about with the power lifters. You know, a guy, I see it all the time. You know, it's like they squat 400 pounds. They're like, yeah, I cut it a little high and the, and the form broke down, but you know, two weeks out, I'm going to get it in the meat. Well, what about that correlates? Like you didn't do it properly. <laughs> your form broke down and somehow you expect to hit a five pound PR or even if it's not a meet, if it's, if you count that as a PR with a form breakdown and, and not necessarily hitting the appropriate depth for powerlifting, how do you get the next five pound PR the right way without addressing that you just did this one the incorrect way? And that's what, to me, your, your training really distills that down because you do give those, those relative frames, like 50% of body weight or, you know, yeah. what, whatever it is, it's scaled in such a way that anybody can make it work because it's body weight relative. And I love <laughs> the fact that, I, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but I keep, my body keeps evolving and changing in ways that are so, so drastic but I'm not necessarily getting bigger, but I am getting definitively stronger. And that is one of the things that I did not want to do. I didn't want to be 275 pounds anymore. I didn't want to be 250, you know, like I am 230 pounds. Well, I was this weight in college. I can tell you for all certainty, I was, I was very, very high level athlete, very, very explosive athlete. I was not as good of an athlete then as I am now. Now, I can't express some of the explosive stuff because of my knee. I can't dunk a basketball with two hands like I used to. But what I I can do is I can receive a lot of force. Like if somebody's coming at me, I can receive them, control them, and reverse them. You know, and God, I mean, that's a a fucking powerful thing. I mean, if you really want to get down into like the the Donaher or the the Khabib type thing, it's like – that is the essence of, of winning a fight is first mentally winning the fight and then physically breaking your opponent down and you get at somebody full speed and they take it and then give it back harder. I don't know what's more demoralizing than that on a mat. <laughs> I mean, or, or really, you know, psychologically anything. I mean, yeah. if, 
if 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 in if if it's if it's lifting that you're testing or that you're competing in, and you see someone that your exact same body size manhandle a weight that you're about to go up there and struggle with, I mean it's 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 that same level of demoralization. And so that that's when we really think about like optimizing the frame you're in, and also making sure that it's the size your body wants to be. And then as as we as we often say, I mean more times a week than people would like to hear, unless there's money on the line, uh, position governs weight. And it's because it's, you know, the training day that we're in is not the point. You know, the the life of training is the point. The the application to the sport or the profession or something that you're in is is the point. Um, And and then just to to jump to Donaher for a minute, I I saw a great part of an interview with him um, that I really enjoyed, but also really frustrated me in in where he said um, he he doesn't support any strength and conditioning method because there's nothing out there that it really, and I'm abbreviating, of course, but that there's nothing out there addresses detail in, in the way that would need to be done. Um, well, look no further. Um, I, I mean, if, if you were to put uh, a grappler uh, that's under someone so experienced and, and proficient as, as he is, uh, that's coming up a little short physically into our process for six months, you've got a world champion and I'd put my house on it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and, I guess – Go ahead. I think that's the case with with any of these gyms. You know, some some of the guys from American Combat Club that have been coming up here and, and using our remote projects. It's so much fun to hear them say, um, you know, how 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 much everyone down there is like stoked that there's this physical improvement now that we're starting to make this connection between being able to like um, coordinate the physical training with the grappling training. You, John, John, you met John. Um, yep. I mean, he, he's he's such he's such a dedicated grappler. He's such a great dude, and and now he's he's really just getting his physical legs underneath him, and and he's kicking ass. That, that's just that's the most fun stuff. That's that's the most valuable transfer. Are you familiar with uh, Andrew Wiltsey at Daisy Fresh? Of course, I know what that is. I mean, we're not okay, home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I actually started talking to him a little bit uh, yesterday and just a guy that fascinates me, hard, hard story, you know, came up the hardest way possible, moved to this gym. They all live on the mats. They all live like, and there's a part of my story that that connects with that because like, you know, three or four days a week, I was driving up to West side doing a 12 hour day before I went to work, you know, leaving at two o'clock in the morning, getting there at 5 a.m., eating with Louie at six, training at eight, being done by 10 or 10.30, driving home uh, by one or one thirty, and then going to work at two o'clock that afternoon until 10 or 11 p.m. that night. It, you know, that is a level of insanity. I mean, I was I was definitely running from a lot of shit, so it, it felt like I was running towards something rather than away from a bunch of shit. But yeah. at the same time, dude, there's a level of psychosis there that like, if the only difference in me winning this thing or losing this thing is a different training system that I'm going to do the fucking training system. If it's a diet then I'm going to do the diet. And yep. I was talking to him about his physical training and he does train some, but he's, he's also in that mindset of like, well, I'll just get better at jujitsu, you know? Yep. And it's like, he's already fucking phenomenal at jujitsu. So what if he did stay the same weight, stay the relative same size, got a little bit leaner, got a little bit tougher. Um, and, and not to say that he's not tough, but just, the intrinsic nature of your training is toughness and what kind of, what kind of buzzsaw would this guy be? You know, he, he's already phenomenal, but I'm going to try, I'm going to try to talk to him, not in a way of like, Hey, you got to do this, but also maybe just see if I can get him to train, you know, one session with me and just see how he feels afterwards. But 
And none of it is opportunism if you're bringing some of these to the table that could actually be valuable to someone. I For mean, sure. And that, if, that's the way I look at it. And, and when, I, when I look at – when I watch fighting, when I watch grappling and, and things like that, like, man, I, I – because I've competed in those things and, and trained for a very, very long time, I have such a supreme respect for anyone that is able to do that at a competitive level. Like I'm, I'm, I'm never the, I'm never the armchair quarterback naysayer. I mean, occasionally someone's personality will hit me wrong and I'll be glad when they get smashed. But, but the reality is I still respect that that person is where they are because I have at least a sense of how hard that is. For and, sure. and so w- when I think about what we can do for them, very much in the same way that I think about how we've been able to help some BMXers and especially some that are very close to me. Um, that, that, that's, a, that's like a really, really personal success for me. That's like a really, that's like a very, very important personal milestone for me because those are the things that I care about. You know, I mean, when, when you bring action sports and, and, and combat sports and grappling and, and Muay Thai in, into the equation, I mean, if I can, if I can make indelible marks in, in those paths for people, I mean, what what more could we possibly want outside of helping every single normal person that walks through the door? You know, I I, I don't I don't ever care about the volume. I care about the quality, um, and, and that's with training, and that's also with the with the people that we influence. You know, when it, when I when I look at the people competing in those sports now, I can always look at their strengths and weaknesses with relative clarity. And half the time it's a challenge for me not to just write them messages and be like, I wish I had the money to pay you to come here for a minute, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do get it. And, and you know, it's – I think it's something that is slowly wicking its way. I, I don't know why, but it's just – you know, I see all your stuff, and of course, I'm probably seeing relative people to your account and whatnot. But man, for somebody who is pretty much blacklisted on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. I feel like your message is starting yeah. to get out a little more and more and more. But I mean, man, I, you know, I I enjoy it because I know it's not going to be some. If somebody really gives it an effort, if somebody really digs in and looks at the YouTube videos for for exercise and you know explanations and all that stuff's out there for free. That's the other thing that I loved about Convergence, as you said, there are no secrets. This is all out there for yep. public use and display. But it's like if somebody can give the honest effort, they're going to see an immediate transition within a month. I mean, like big yeah. time. Um, but speaking yeah. of getting people smashed and, yeah. and since we're, we're nearing <laughs> our time limit, let's talk about uh, UFC 264. Who do you, who you got tonight? Poirier or, or McGregor? It's so, man, I hate when people make me pick. So, so yeah. the, the way, the way that I see it is, is I, I've always looked at Dustin Poirier as just a, a, a surgeon that is willing to go in there and tune up anything he's done wrong in his previous fights. And I believe that's why he's had such a really, really long career with such weird ups and downs. But then when he starts hitting a stride, it's almost like he's just unbeatable. And, and so I, I believe, um, I believe Dustin will win provided Connor hasn't made some really, really astounding adjustments since the last fight. If, if the answer, if the answer that Connor was given by his team and by himself was simply be a better version of yourself in the last fight, I believe he loses. Um, if, if, if he's found something and they may have because they're geniuses, um, then I believe he could take it. But I, honestly, Dustin is someone I have a gigantic amount of respect for because man, talk about ups and downs and talk about just rising to the occasion again and again and again. Yep. Um, that that's that's my feeling on a main event. 
Yeah, that's the way I feel about it too. I think uh, I think McGregor always has the one punch factor. I mean, if he catches you, and that's that's true of any great of striker, one punch can can put the night to an end. But uh, I, I think if the fight the goes through, I mean, uh, you, you look at the Cerrone fight. You you think about yeah. the. That, that that nine out of ten times, that's at least a competitive fight. He took him out. With, he took one of the toughest dudes to walk ever walk the earth out with a shoulder strike. I mean, you can't ever count him out. He's he's incredible. He's fascinating. But I, when I'm when I'm looking at the comparison between the two, um, I, I just I just kind of see Dustin as a different type of surgeon, man. Yeah, well, and I do too. And I think I, I really appreciate what you pointed out about him. Is uh, he is a guy, like you said, he'll have three or four good fights, and then somebody will catch him. But he always comes back from that fight with a with a new approach or a little bit different way that he throws a punch or he tucks a punch. Um, I really think he's a, a very very diverse fighter with a lot of skill set, and he's got a lot of a lot of tools that he can call on. You know, McGregor for all intents and purposes, phenomenal boxer, um, got some, got some game on the ground. Not, not a tremendous amount. I mean, he did defend Khabib. I will say that he defended Khabib's takedowns, uh, pretty well for, for a time until Khabib just kind of figured him out or timed him up a little better. But the thing that gets me, and I, and I'll tell you this admittedly, ashamedly in my, in my own experience, when you get to a place where everyone is telling you that you're the man, Versus that chip on your shoulder, like, hey, there's a man I'm chasing. I think that does something to the psychology of your preparation. I think you believe in yourself a little bit too much. I think you tend to overlook the things that you need to focus on the most because, you know, they're they're one, they're your insecurities, but they're also the frailties in your preparation. And I think, you know, with an ego and I, and I don't think he's. You know, I don't think he's Connor that we see on the stage behind closed doors, yeah. but I do think that there's an aspect of whether it's his fault or the people around him, who around him is going to have the balls to go to him and say, hey, you're not very good at this, so let's fix it. And hopefully as a fighter, as an athlete, McGregor would be receptive to that. I'm just not sure because of the outside personality that I see that he is actually capable of receiving that kind of information. I don't know. And that's, that's just totally from my well, own experience kind of catapulted upon him, but dude, I'd have a hard time getting up to kick my own ass when I have $250 million in the bank. You know well, what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it, it's a really astute point. And, but, but what you said is also a pretty time tested theory. When, when, when people get to the top and they sit there for a minute, uh, that changes most people, you know, I mean, and you, you mentioned Khabib quickly. I think, I think, he may be one of the only we've seen that that didn't happen with at all. But but you also look at the cultural differences there. You look at you look at the family things that were unfolding with him. He 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 had like a he had like a destiny style moral obligation to what he's doing. You know. Yeah, I think I think they had to fuss at him to cash one of the checks. Well, one of his fights. And, you know what and I mean? Like <laughs> with. with 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 someone like Connor, like you mentioned, if what we're seeing in front of the screen is true, I believe exactly what you said. Um, if what we're seeing in front of the screen is only partially true, then then I, I I agree. If if someone has been giving him the medicine he needs, who knows what we see in a few hours? You know, yeah. I mean, you talk you talk about an athlete that has unlimited potential. Him. That's him. Yeah. But yeah. but if, if if nobody's turning those dials and, and that's that's someone else that I look at, you can always be more powerful. You can always be stronger. You can always be sharper. And if the people around you aren't telling you that, 
Um, I mean, why are they around you if you're at a high level of competition? It's, it's, um, it's one of those things that has always confused me much in the same way as a martial arts instructor that doesn't want their students to get as good as they are or a strength and conditioning coach that has to be the strongest person in the room. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it is a weird relationship, coach and athlete. And, and I certainly have been around some high level athletes, uh, through football and all that and all that. Um, and, and the egos are a huge factor. Like you can, and I'm, I'm certainly guilty of this myself, yep. but you of can course. look at some of these, you can certainly look at some of these young kids, 18, 19 year old kids walking into a division one scholarship, walking into the, a, a big five power five school. And they're the man in their hometown. They're, they're heralded on sports center. You know, they're coming into this place and the coaches, instead of telling him what they need, they coddle it. They allow that behavior to continue. And then when they're, two or three years in and they're skipping class or they're, you know, punching their girlfriend or they're, they're smoking, whatever the situation is. Yeah. It's like, I think it all stops if they stop saying your shit doesn't stink the second they hit the door. You know, yep. I think, I think we have a lot of enablers and not necessarily just in the strength and conditioning, but I'll say the athlete management protocol, which is somewhat strength and conditioning, but that's, that's another story for another day, but I sure hope, uh, <laughs> I, you know, the thing about me and I think you're like this too, some of my favorite fights are the undercards. Some of my favorite fights are like Friday night boxing on ESPN because these are guys that Almost are literally, crazy. yeah, I mean, they're like that thousand dollar payday or whatever it is, is like, especially if they get like knockout of the night. I mean, those guys are coming in to kill because it's, it's life or death for them. A lot of times, I mean, you get, especially some of these uh, fighters out of Mexico and stuff, man, like and a win is life changing. I mean, when, when you're, when you're talking, when you're talking about watching people fighting for different purpose, man, you talk, think about Brandon Moreno last week, two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, I dude. mean, you, you, you're, talk, you're talking about people that have like this, this like psychology of, of cultural obligation and, and like absolute indestructibility in their minds, man. And, and that, that was a main event of course, but like most of these undercard fights in the last five or six months, maybe a year have, have been so shocking and, and, that's what I'm gauging what the future is going to look like on. You're so exactly right. When, when exactly I make right, because they're the up and comers. Well, and, and when I, when I make the statement about skill level, you can see the skill level getting higher and higher and higher. And eventually all other things are going to have to match that for anyone to be competitive against someone who's as good as, as any of these top people, you know? Um, I mean, you look, you look at Valentina. I mean, she, she's, she's well known to not actually lift weights, but, but she's also extremely well physical conditioned and moves in absolute perfect surgical violent ways. If you ever watch her shadow boxing, you could put a person in front of her and she would knock them out shadow boxing. You know, yeah. you, you look at some of the, some of the things that some of these fighters are doing, um, the, the ones that are at the top of the food chain move like they're at the top of the food chain all the time. And, yep. and, and that's one of the biggest distinctions I see is, is man, that, <laughs> that is a game of millimeters, you know? And, and when I, when I see both trainers and athletes, maybe not checking every single box, um, man, it's, it's, you think about what a giant risk that is. Like you said, that's, that's, that's do or die. That's, that's maybe your job, you know? Yeah. And like, and just to go back to Friday night fights, I remember this kid, uh, it, it's been a year or two ago, but, um, I got, I got to fall in love with those for my papa. I'm actually looking at his 
their old house right now. <laughs> ironically, uh, I don't even live anywhere near here, but I drove here just accidentally kind of to do this wow. podcast. So, awesome. but anyhow, um, he was the one that was always like Friday nights. My Nana would go to bed and he would turn on those Friday night fights because it was the replay. They usually came on at like seven or something and then they were on at 10 or 11. And he would have those on. And I can remember just how much joy he got watching the those fights versus like we would get a Tyson pay-per-view or something. And he's like, ah, shit, it's over in 30 seconds. You know, like he'd bitch about that. But these guys are going always eight, 10, 12 rounds um, for decisions. And both guys are surgical. But a couple of years ago, I watched this kid fight out of Mexico. And, and I love those fighters because boxing is such a cultural thing down there. It's so, so beloved. They're heroes down there and, and on and on. But um, he just talked about how he just wanted to win that. So his, his father didn't have to go back to work in the field. You know what I mean? Like one fight changed his father's life. And, yeah. Yeah. and you know, yeah. I don't know how many guys are fighting for that. And you mentioned Khabib. I, I really do have a deep seated appreciation for, for a guy that could probably be privy to all the spoils. And he goes home and he says, I have bread. I don't need bread. I have eggs. I don't need more eggs. I have meat. I don't need more meat. I have a home. I have a family. I don't need more things. I just need to get better at training. And it's like, that, that's such a terminator. You know what I mean? It's, it's robotic, but it's beautiful at the same time. And I think a lot of times we shame that because the world endorses a guy like Connor, you know, yeah. and not to, not to make him a villain necessarily, but the world wants a brash guy, a guy that drives a Rolls Royce and flashes a Rolex or you know whatever it is. There's a sex appeal to that. A lot of people shy away from a guy like Khabib because that's a lot of shit that they will never, ever come close to having the potential for. Like well, that I mean, willingness to be disciplined. And 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 I, I agree with that. And to, t- to take it just quickly to a, to a few people that I used to look at, well, still do, but used to look at in a very particular way like that, um, is when Fedor started showing more of his training back when he started getting into pride from rings and all that kind of stuff. And, and his training was so rudimentary and, and outdoors and indoors and the places were, were just very minimalist and all this kind of stuff. But he was just so sharp and unassuming and just like, just vicious, brutal. And, and you started realizing that like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what is needed to compete at that level in fist fights for money. Um, and then, you know, some, someone else, you know, Ensign Inoue from Japan. I mean, when, when he had some of his early pride bouts and, and he would basically just say, I, I will, I will die. I will die here, you know? And, and you would see his training and it was, it was very technical. He's, he's incredible martial artist, but, but that, that type of like odd, just will at all costs is, is, is just it's astound it's astounding to me. Pe- people, <laughs> I say this too often, but people do not realize the durability, the near superhuman nature of a of a professional fighter at that level. I mean, it, it's it's insane to me. And and so to to keep that level of discipline for that many wins, or for that long in a fight, or for that long in a career, and to keep that perspective is is, I mean, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's amazing to me. Yeah, man. Well, you're supernatural, man. You're in your own ways. You're uh, you're elevating so many things. Like, I appreciate I, I so much, man. Well, no, nah, it, it's it's important because uh, I know that, like, 
you probably have all these ideas and you're like, ah, I just got to stick to this, but dude, do them all. Like whatever you do, you're going to do it well. And, and I support you in all of it. Not like even this conversation has elicited more thought when I leave this conversation for myself and on and on and on. I mean, you're just a, you're just a guy that I hope more people latch onto. Oh, 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 always the same for me, man. I, I can't say that we've ever had a conversation where I haven't left motivated. And a lot of times that's at times when I need it, man. We, we, uh, I'm a very, very, I'm a very, very positive person, um, that is very often surrounded by a lot of negativity and, um, and, and I've, I've swung and missed a ton, uh, in my life. And, and it's always because I have ideas that I know will work and an element outside of my control has often gone wrong. And I'm just not going to let that happen with this. Um, it's too important. Uh, it's helping. I mean, as, as you mentioned our reach earlier, yeah, we're squashed, man. It's, it's been, it's been bizarre how much we're squashed. Um, but, but the correspondence that we get, especially privately is astounding. Um, the, the, the things, the things people say, the quality of the things people say, the fact that we never these days get some casually misspelled message with, with no greeting or salutation, you know, pe- people, people are, getting back to old timey methods of communicating um, because one, they're good people. And, and two, it's because it, it's very clear that that our bar for communication and our, and our bar for how we help people is just as high as our bar for, for physical movement. Um, there's, you know, there, there can't, there can't be, there can't be gray area there. You know, I, I don't, if someone is just strong, they're just very uninteresting to me, you know? Um, yeah. That's not the world we're in right now. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, man, as always, it's been a real Thank pleasure. Thank you and so much. I look much. forward to it. Uh, we'll get this out Monday. Can't can't wait. I hope everyone enjoys it. And again, thank you so thank you so much for listening. This this is this is an astounding and exciting platform. And and thank you so much for supporting it. Oh, thank you as always, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. All right, man. See you.